Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, and thanks for downloading and subscribing. I am That Nerd Dad. This is That Nerd Dad podcast, and we got a guest. Ooh, it's been a guestless show for a couple of weeks, but we are back. Today's guest is Mike LeCoulter of The Debate, CTV News, political journalist been doing it for uh 20 years something like that <laughs> he's been a journalist for like 20 years i think he's been on the political beat for the last 10 or so um good dude really good dude very generous with his time and we're talking canadian politics but i assure you uh we make it entertaining as mike always does and uh this is that chat how about, how about I throw to the theme song? It's not really a theme song, more to the intro. Let's throw the intro, shall we? Intro, please. Today, my guest is Mike LeCoulter of CTV News, The Debate. I've got a little image here, The Debate. I've been on his show. I thought it was time I bring him on mine. How you doing, Mike? Hey, I'm great. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's 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 my pleasure. So, um, you've been a political analyst for twenty something years now. A uh, political reporter for reporter? about ten or going on twelve now. Okay. Uh, I came to Ottawa from Montreal uh, as a senior political correspondent for another uh, network that yeah we can name. Why not? Uh, I'm kidding. It's for Global News. Uh, I, I was with Global for over twenty years of my career. They gave me my start. Um, Great times. Uh, and then, yeah, it was one of those things where uh, in 2011, a job came up on Parliament Hill and it, it, I was working in the local newsroom in Montreal. And they said uh, it was one of those things where you want to join the big team, right? And uh, national news is where it's at. And, you know, I had a, a sense of politics. Uh, did I love politics? I'll be honest, not really at the time. Uh, and it was one of those things where I just sort of dove into it and realized um, that it is fascinating and it is interesting. And not for, um, you know, one particular reason, but the fact that there are so many behind the scenes stuff that people don't even know about that you try and sort of um, explain to people how, you know, laws come to be, but also how the laws affect people. And I think that's the most uh, critical thing that sometimes we overlook. And as storytellers, we have to explain better. And it's never about what the law is. It's about how the law affects the ordinary person. I think there's a, the messaging there too, is how the law comes to be like, Mm -hmm. we see it when it's nearly done. And I know there's a lot of discussion beforehand, um, but those, I mean, <laughs> I hate to say the phrase backdoor deals, but the backroom yeah. deals are the, um, the fascinating part. And the fact that you joined in, you said 2011. Yeah. That was at the, the tail end of when politics was kind of normal. They're no longer normal. <laughs> right. That's like, true. Now it's so uh, divisive. It's yeah. so you're, you're red or you're, blue or whatever like you pick your color and that's it and your your affinity for that color goes beyond common sense have you seen that how have you seen that change firsthand up close 
it's it's interesting in the first couple of weeks on parliament hill i honestly thought and and i hope people get the analogy i thought that this was going to be like the sheepdog and the coyote on looney tunes that they check in and they you know morning ralph morning sam and they clock in and they fight like crazy on parliament hill as the different parties and then on the way out morning you know have a good night sam i'll see you tomorrow morning uh, ralph and it isn't that they live and breathe it. So even in 2011, when it was the Harper government, there were, if you can imagine this, there's like a conservative bar, a liberal bar and an NDP bar. And not that they don't overlap, but certainly, you know, the NDP bar was where all of the MPs and staffers and whatnot would gather. So if you wanted to sort of go hang out there and get some intel from them or really sort of make some inroads there, you would do that. Rarely would you see a liberal set foot in that bar. Rarely would you see a conservative in that bar. But there has been in the past a little more sort of getting together and coming together of these different parties. It still happens, even though you see in question period, these sort of, you know, rabid fights and um, the barbs that go across the aisle that are very, very cutting. They still have that type of respect on most occasions. Uh, but I think that, yeah, our, our political discourse right now is at a level that I think is incredibly unfortunate and also so partisan that I think we stop losing sight of the key here, which is essentially that these are laws that are for Canadians. One of the examples I think that was really, really good, uh, was during the, uh, the Aaron O'Toole leadership when they remarkably, and nobody thought this, this would, uh, would have happened, um, that the Conservatives supported uh, a bill on, um, uh, it was uh, conversion therapy and how the Liberals introduced this bill to ban confer conversion therapy. And everybody thought that within the Conservative caucus that there would be a lot of hand-wringing and a lot of discussion as to what they would do, do with it. And when they came out and unanimously supported it, basically green-lit it through Parliament, that was one of those moments when you say, wow, everybody finally put down their swords and got together and decided that this was for the greater good. It doesn't happen often enough. Um, and I think that, you know, we have to get to a place. I always sort of look at any kind of big debate, any kind of big discussion as a pendulum that always swings, right? So sometimes it swings hard left, sometimes it swings hard right, and eventually it'll sort of settle in the middle. I'm hoping that we will eventually get there, uh, but it's really difficult, you know, when you consider what you see online and what you see how people really sort of entrench themselves in their politics and their policies, and you wonder whether or not we'll ever get to a place where everybody feels like they can actually sort of have those discussions, even in the open. And I say in the open because they still do take place in the back rooms. And it's interesting to talk to members of parliament who say, oh yeah, I'm good friends with that person on Parliament Hill, you know, who's a conservative. Famously, um, Megan Leslie of the NDP and Lisa Raitt of the conservatives were, were, you know, good friends. And they even would go to different parties on Parliament Hill that were, you know, were the formal par parties like, uh, it was either the, the press gallery dinner, which is like our version of the White House Correspondents Dinner. And there's also something called Politics in the Pen, which sort of salutes writers and, and that sort of thing. And they would go and do duets. They would actually sing together. So it was interesting and in how two sort of politicians and parties that would be completely opposite still to get together in the off hours and have that mutual respect. Well, we used to be able to do that. And yeah. there used to be, I mean, it used to be 
it was one of the you know rules about polite company. You don't talk about politics. Yeah. That that's gone. <laughs> now, before you yeah. go in someone's house, you know which way they're leaning, so you need to know whether or not you need to fight them as soon as you enter their house. <laughs> and some of them, you know, if it depends on where you are in North America, they may have a flag out front that tells you exactly who they are and who they voted for, right? And it's interesting. Um, I've I've had this conversation with friends and and even you know other people in politics, and you sort of wonder what happened, and not in a negative way, but what happened that sort of started us all on this on this path towards where we are um and and yeah let's talk about you know maybe a little bit before uh you know u.s president donald trump but certainly that era ushered in this new sort of uh this new world of where it felt a little more divisive and it felt like you could use the term fake news um with reckless abandon unfortunately and that you know i'll be honest was personally offensive to me because I don't think that that is something um, that anybody likes to be called. I mean, I'm, I've been in news my entire professional career. Um, you know, I grew up wanting to be uh, somebody who was on TV and then somebody who was telling stories. And I say that because I originally wanted to be a sportscaster. Then you realize that's actually not as much fun uh, when you start doing it because the, the, uh, the hockey players say all the same things all the time. So, um, but get them next you know, time, but get them. Next yeah, time. exactly. But you know, we had our backs up against the wall. We really gave it 110%. I mean, I, if I had a nickel for every time they said that, but, um, no. So it, what's interesting about it is we have gone into this world of political discourse where people can now feel like they are definitely entrenched, dug in on one side or the other. And there is a section of the population that felt ignored for a long time. And Donald Trump said to them, I see you, I hear you, uh, you are my people, I am your president. And so as much as people may say, well, that's terrible, you know, these people need to go back into the, you know, the, into the shadows from which they came. And people probably feel that way. However, those people were always there. And I say those people, not in a, you know, us, them, that, that section of the population was always there. They got a voice and now they're using it. Well, I think we as a population now need to sit down and say, okay, where do we go from here? Because the conversation has started, it's not going to end, and I think we need to get our heads around the fact that we need to have the conversation. And I remember after President Trump um, you know, was defeated and Joe Biden came in, it's not as if anybody who was supporting Donald Trump went away. And I think the same thing to you know, give us the sort of the Canadian feel of it, when the convoy left Ottawa, and that was sort of a time when people thought, okay, we can sort of relax. There's three weeks of horns honking, um, a lot of uh, frustration on the part of people who live in Ottawa, and a lot of tension. And I remember saying this um, to, uh, you, know, you know, on CTV News Channel one time during, during a live hit, and I said, we now need to figure out where do we go from here. And I say that because the, the people who came to Ottawa raised issues they felt strongly about it and we can't ignore them because we can't you know just cast them aside and say they aren't valid they are valid concerns that we need to talk about and maybe if we sit down and talk a bit more and have the conversation a bit more and tell people that they are seen and they are heard maybe that gets us to a place where it isn't as divisive and maybe everybody will start to put down their swords and go okay I think we can talk about this. And that is the thing that I've, 
I, I so desperately hope for this country, and this is, I'm not a politician, I'm never going into politics, but I sit back and I go, we have an opportunity now to talk about our politics and to really figure out where are we going. And I think we need to seize on that opportunity. Two things jump out at me mm -hmm. based upon what you just said. First, I think um, when I think of when these, when this kind of um, fake news started, mm -hmm. um, I can remember Stephen Colbert when he used to do his like word of the day or whatever it was. Right. He did truthiness. And I think that was during the Bush administration. And yeah. that's when the word truth started to lose its meaning. And we stopped talking about facts as facts. We started yeah. talking about facts as something that could be argued for mm -hmm. or against. And where they, where you land on your political spectrum is where, how you viewed facts from that point onward. Yeah. So to me, that's the starting point. I could start to see the ball unravel. And the fact that, it was mainstream enough for Stephen Colbert to talk about it yeah. means it had started before then mm -hmm. the, the political machine had already started. Second thing I, I want to, and I'm not, I don't want to put you in a bad spot, but I'm going to, I apologize. <laughs> Here we go. Cause I'll be a little bit more, um, uh, less, uh, neutral. I think one of the problems <laughs> is all the village idiots. See, every village used to have a village idiot and, and they were, they were, uh, they were, ostracized they were kept yeah. to themselves and it was like oh ignore joe joe's an idiot mm -hmm. the internet created a community where the village idiots could get together and talk and now and now they've got their community now they have yeah. a strong voice and to your point we can't just ignore them uh, because it doesn't work and you also can't shout facts at them because it doesn't work mm -hmm. Um, cause if it did, I don't think some of the conversations we'd be having happen. Um, so I, I'm with you that we have to have the discussion. Yeah. I don't know how we go from the extreme ends that we're on to somewhere in the middle. I, I yeah. just, it's a long, it's a I, long bridge. I hear you. And, and see, this is, I tell this anecdote to people because I, th I think it's actually fascinating and, and I enjoy it. So it was my first week here at CTV. Believe it or not, I started uh, in the middle of the convoy. Um, I had been hired, uh, moved over from, from Global. And then um, in my first week, the first day that I started at CTV on air uh, was the day that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau invoked the Emergencies Act. So it was a quiet day, obviously, a real slow start to my career at CTV. Um, but. Um, by the time Friday rolled around and police were in downtown Ottawa and starting to break things up and there were barricades and, you know, police lines, uh, I was told Friday night, look, just before you go home, and it was sometime around 11 o'clock, can you head to the, you know, the line where police and protesters were facing off? And can you just go and make sure that nothing's happening before we sort of wrap it for the night, even though there was somebody who was sleeping at the office uh, on an overnight shift? Um, and I went out to the line and I went to talk to people. And it's funny because you approach, you're there with your camera person or your, your technician who's got a camera on their shoulder. And of course, instant rec recognition as fake news, boo, they're yelling at you and it's a mob, right? And I say it's a mob in that it's a large number of people who feel the comfort of that large number of people in that community. And they're just shouting at you and yelling at you and telling you you're an idiot. Fair enough. I've had, you know, over 20 years in journalism. 
I've been called a lot worse. And, um, and it's interesting because we were just standing there close enough to police so that we felt safe enough, but also far enough away that we didn't look like we were siding with them. And that's something that you have to consider when you're out there as a journalist. And a couple of guys uh, came by and one of them that the, the camera person I was with had filmed earlier in the day and he sort of struck up a conversation with them. So I struck up a conversation with the other guy. And I had the conversation with them. He, they looked like they were in, um, you know, those sort of bright, reflective, uh, full winter suits. And it was like freezing cold, minus 30 in Ottawa. Uh, and not like one of those dry heat, dry colds that you get out in the prairies. This is damp. So we're, um, I'm just chatting with them. And when you chat with somebody one-on-one -on -one in a completely um, sort of disarming way, you get to know them a little bit. And I just said, so where are you from? Uh, and what are you doing here? And they said they're going to stay there forever or, you know, for, for as long as they, they can. Um, and I started un unpacking what he thought and where he thought things were, were coming from. And he said, but you're, you know, as a member of the media, you're in bed with, uh, with Trudeau, obviously. You just do whatever he tells you. <laughs> and I said to him, I said, why do you think that? Oh, oh, because uh, I've seen your stuff. And I said, so do you know who I am? And not, not in that way of like, do you know who I am? I just said, so do you know why? He's like, uh, you're respect on my name, sir. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but this is the funny thing about it. This is the funny thing about it. You can't discount somebody on account of ignorance in the purest form and ignorance. The definition of it is just not knowing, mm -hmm. right? It's not ignorance in willful, you know, I mean, there's willful ignorance, but it's not, I w I'm not at all saying that this person was, was stupid. Not at all. I can't blame you if you just don't know. So I said, have you seen my work? No. Okay. So how do you know whether or not I tell the truth? And then he said, because you all don't. I said, okay. And I wanted to know, I said, what makes you feel that way? At what point did you feel like we stopped telling the truth? And I forget when, what he said, but his, and, and this is what I thought was fascinating. He actually hasn't watched network TV news or as he would call it mainstream TV news in 10 years. And so I started to deconstruct that and I said, wait a second, if you haven't watched TV news in 10 years, how do you know if I'm still telling the truth or not? Maybe I've changed. And he said, no, 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 of course you haven't. And I said, but then you can't really say that because you don't know and you haven't seen my work. And I may be one of the only ones that you think does tell the truth. And so without a mob around him or without a group around him, it was, he was unable to shout me down or whatever. So, but it was still a conversation. And he said that he listens to a podcast where this guy plays clips from, um, from different newscasts. And he criticized the, the mainstream media, which another phrase I don't like, but he, he, he criticized the mainstream media saying, uh, we're selective. We don't tell the whole truth because we don't show the whole truth. So I asked him, well, that podcast, that podcaster, how do you know that they show the whole truth? And he says, oh, that person wouldn't lie. And then I started to know, I went, okay, so he thinks that we in the media lie, but he's willing to believe this other person. What is this other person doing? What comfort is this other person giving this guy that I'm talking to here that other people in the media couldn't? And I think that there's a deeper conversation to have in that. And it was funny because we went through it and, you know, with logic, I said, look, if you haven't watched TV news in 10 years, then you don't know whether or not we're still telling the truth. And you don't know whether or not that guy's actually 
um, showing you the real clips or not, or distorting those clips. So I, I, you know, I don't know that you really are getting all the information that you have. And, and that's sort of when you, you know, you try to sort of tell people, read as much news as you can. Uh, because if you don't believe one and you don't believe the other, well, then there'll be overlap. And that in there is kind of the truth. Um, but I thought it was interesting because I hope that that guy took away from that conversation that maybe I'm not such a bad guy. I wasn't judging him and I was just having a conversation with him and asking him about his life, what brought him here, tell me why you, you care so much about this. And I want to know, and that's what I was trying to find out from him, where in the grand scheme of things, if we want to say it in this way, where he got lost off the path or where he went off the path of um, you know, getting your news from credible sources and believing in the institutions. And it's clear he lost faith in the institution of the government of Canada. And I wanted to know where did that happen and why did that happen and what leads people there? Because I think that is a conversation we need to have. And that is something that is worth exploring. When did people stop believing in the faith in, in the, or having faith in our government as a credible institution and can we get them back? And if we can't, well, then we got to figure something out, but we can't exclude these people from our society because they are our neighbors. They are the people that we go to the same grocery stores with them. We work out at the gym with them. They're beside us everywhere. And let's not assume that all of us go to the gym, Mike. Uh, I mean, I don't go often enough, but, uh, but, <laughs> but I, I think, you know, what I'm getting at is essentially like, and I'm not trying to get desperately serious on this, but I, I fear for the loss of a conversation uh, and, you know, allow me to plug my show, you know, I mean, the Go debate, ahead, hopefully is. there it is that there it is the debate with Mike LeCouture um, on CTV news channel uh, weeknights at six o'clock uh, Eastern. Anyways, um, <laughs> I have started using the, the phrase at the end uh, because you do that, you know, in a show, in a new show, you try and uh, try different, th try different things. And I've, and I've said, um, keep the conversation going. And part of that is we're having a conversation on TV about different subjects and it's not, you know, yes, it is a debate of competing ideas um, most times, but um, I think we need to keep these conversations going because if we're not having the conversations, then we get further entrenched in our, in our two sides. And, you know, if you want to call them our two camps uh, or, or just in, in our separate camps. And if we're not having the conversations and we're not getting to know each other and we're not understanding what makes the other person tech and maybe what led them to where they are i'll i'll add this i for for all of the um i'm trying to choose my because i view you as being legit i'm choosing my words more carefully well that's normally your first I mistake say <laughs> i would just be like for all the people who normally shit on mainstream media but i'm mm. like oh, i don't want to do that in front of mike but anyways i'm gonna do it no do uh, it hey do it i don't care so, go ahead um for all the people who shit on mainstream media what i will yeah. say is my experience, especially in the last few months, having been on your show, mm -hmm. um, has been it carries a tremendous amount of weight in the public forum still. Now, mm -hmm. what I mean by that is I've been at this podcast thing for like three years, give or take a little bit. I have never had so many family members suddenly engage with me as to wow. when I said, I'm going to be on CTV news. It was like, Oh, he's legit. Now it added <laughs> a huge amount of credibility. Right. And it, 
And while maybe the younger generation right now hasn't fully come to terms with that, and maybe they are Mm -hmm. still seeking out um, their own preference for what media is going to look like, TV, mainstream media, still carries a tremendous amount of weight, I Mm -hmm. think, amongst the average population. And yes, podcasts have come a long way. Yes, YouTube has come a long way. But there is a... Uh, I'm blanking on the phrase, but like it's like a positive reinforcement bias when you're seeking out some of those things because you're not yeah. seeking things to challenge your existing preconceived notions. Whereas right. if you are watching a news channel, in theory, they're trying to give it to you straight yeah. for you to make your decision on your own rather than yeah. we know you lean left. So we're going to give you this piece of information. Yeah, and it's interesting because I, I think that partly what happened during the pandemic is people were at home and seeking that that validation for their own opinion and mm-hmm. validation of what how they see the world. And I think that, you know, that was shaken for a lot of people because uh, then they started to do their own research on... Uh, I, I, as a journalist, <laughs> do their own research is such a well, scary phrase. <laughs> it is, but, but, but think about this for a second. I, I remember joking with a uh, an expert in in vaccines, um, and I said to them, "I said I cannot wait to for the day when I can, um, you know, talk about vaccines and not rank them." And I say not rank them because, you know, for people who would get their flu shot, did you ever say which one is this? Did you ever say is this Pfizer, AstraZeneca, or Moderna? Never, never. But the, but the, and I would almost say the communications around vaccines was great, but it went too far. And I say that because people started to hold out. People started to say, well, I'm not going to get this one because I heard Pfizer's the gold standard. And, oh, is this one still good? And imagine from a public health perspective of trying to get everybody vaccinated and then all of a sudden there's this abundance of research and information out there and i understand a lot of people you know the establishment of uh, of, of health the healthcare establishment essentially had never dealt with something like this where you consider that there was enough information out there they were trying to give people information in a world where they didn't know what the actual virus was and trying to properly communicate it to people in a way that we could all understand, digest, and then, and then, by the way, say, oh, in case you forgot from high school, science is the study of something to try to disprove something um, along the way until you think it's proven. And oh, by the way, that can change. And that's where masking went. Anyways, that's my side. Uh, that's my side thing. But I, I think what happened with the pandemic was people had this sort of deluge of information. And they didn't know how to handle it either. And we in the media certainly didn't. I can't speak for everyone, but I know that there were times when I went, I I can't believe I'm actually ranking vaccines here and telling people, oh, this one might be better over that one. And and I think when you get back to the belief in news, media was in a very difficult position at that time. When we were taking the information that we were given and transmitting it as we always have and, you know, looking at it with with a critical lens and then telling people what it means to them and that it in in the you know quote unquote fog of war we were going with what we had so there were times let's let's use dr Teresa tam as an example she was asked would masks help near the beginning and she said we don't think so and then all of a sudden masks did help and people thought 
well, why did you lie to us about that? <laughs> and nobody said, nobody asked the question or nobody understood because that's science. Because science is, we know something right now and this is what we think right now. We and didn't then, wear seatbelts. Now we do wear seatbelts. Uh, why mean, did you lie to us, bastards? Right? <laughs> that's one of those things. We used to mm. smoke to relieve stress. Now <laughs> we don't. And well, we thought doctor recommended. Some people say yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have the information now that if you do this, that this is a negative cause to it. There's a negative out, uh, you know, outcome. Um, and, and I think that that is, you know, now that people have, because back then, let's say seatbelts, who had access to any of the safety reports to say what seatbelts, you know, actually do and, and whether or not they're safe for you? Nobody had access to that. <laughs> it was a world where, you know, the news, you know, Walter Cronkite was the most trusted man in the world. You know, that was not taken for granted. That was, or that was taken for granted, I should say. That was, you know, set in stone. He was the most trusted guy in the world. And now that people can, there's so much online that people think that they can go search and get the, you know, the real information from, even as a journalist, you're double checking, triple checking facts. And you think to yourself, is this the proper site that I should be looking at for this? And so I, I think people need to understand um, that, yeah, facts are still facts and you can't argue them um, because that's what we have. And that, uh, you know, let's get back to, you know, the, the, uh, the question around the convoy. When it was on vaccine mandates and or lockdown rules and the people in the convoy said, we want all the lockdowns, um, you know, taken away and we want everything reopened. And the prime minister is sitting there going, um, that's Doug Ford in Ontario. <laughs> and they went, no, this is you. You have to do it. And back to our, you know, how we started this, this conversation, civics. People didn't understand and people maybe don't understand how governments work and how they should work. And I think that that's a problem. And to blame everything on uh, on on the prime minister, you know what? That's that's a that's a a pastime that we all love. Of course we do. You know, it's always going to be the person at the top of the uh, at the top of government uh, who's to blame. But when you don't realize that whose fault something really is, and you're still railing against them, I think that's a problem. And that education piece of you know, we'll learn who is actually the person you should be petitioning, petitioning, lobbying, or protesting against. Protesting is the best thing ever. I mean, I came from Quebec. It's a way of life there. Um, and I say it's the best thing ever. It's your right. You yep. should be able to assemble and peacefully state, you know, what you think is wrong and how you want to change it. It's not right to affect other people's daily lives and to, you know, hold a city hostage. Um, so, and, you know, there's a court case going on now, whether or not that actually was the case. So, um, but I, I think the education piece of it is what we're still missing. And, 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 and I'm hoping that schools can sort of lean into that and sort of go, this is how the world actually works. This is how government works so that people are more educated when they, they are going and protesting or complaining about something. I, I look, I, I asked you for 30 minutes. We're at 30 minutes. Are you okay to go a little bit longer? Or? Let's do it. Sure. Uh -huh. I'm having fun. Because you, you, you pivoted for me. I think you did that on purpose, and I appreciate it. Uh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I see maybe. what you did. Because <laughs> when I initially reached out to you, I said, look, I'd love to, you know, I know you're a father of two, mm -hmm. um, covering politics as long as you have. Obviously, I think this needs to be taught in school. Yeah. I don't remember anything from it from my school years. Mm -hmm. Um 
when and how do you think we need to start talking about to our kids about here's how government works yeah and here's how important it is because as more and more parents become polarized in their opinions Mm-hmm. That's going to be passed down to the next generation. And in order to combat that, we have to introduce new thoughts, new ideas, and better mm-hmm. education. It's got to start somewhere. And my fear is that by the time you're 13 years old, you probably already know whether or not you're a red or blue or orange or green house. <laughs> like, yeah. It's and, and it's interesting, right? Because kids are listening to your conversations as parents. And that's the one thing that I would almost say uh, to any parent, be careful, be mindful. Uh, because if you want your kid to sort of follow your political leanings, then go ahead and sort of fill their minds with whatever you want, go ahead. Um, but I'm kind of of the belief, I say to my kids, like, vote the way you want, vote how you feel, but educate yourself. Um, it's interesting that, um, I forget if it was 19 or 21, we've had so many elections recently, (laughs) but, uh, you know, I'd go out on the campaign and, um, and I'd be gone for 40 days. Uh, and you know, and this is a a good time to publicly thank my ex-wife for never complaining about that. She knows my job and would say, yeah, don't worry about it, Mike, you go ahead, do your thing. Uh, and you know, we'll, we'll check in with you often enough. And, you know, the kids are great too. Um, but, but I think what was interesting is that, you know, even in 19, 19, maybe even 21, you know, my kids would sort of have a little bit of class time where the teacher would talk about, oh, the federal election is going on. And they'd show different things of different uh, different leaders. And inevitably the kids, and it would seem that a number of them, you know, they would think that Jagmeet Singh was incredible. And because he has this energy and it's interesting to see what kids pick up on, right? And to see what appeals to them without really knowing the policies because they're not digging into policy. Um, they're just sort of going on feel. And so I think when you ask me the question, when should they learn? I think it has to be in this sort of sweet spot of maybe, I'm going to throw numbers out there, but forgive me, 14 to 16. And I say that because you can't vote just yet. And I don't think, um, like my son just turned 14. So I think we can have a conversation about politics and I can keep him interested longer than, you know, a game of Fortnite or whatever else. And I can sort of hold his attention that long on, on politics before he goes boring. But certainly my daughter, I think I can have more of a conversation as, you know, she's about to turn 17 and she's a little more interested in, in, in that type of thing. But she took civics um, and she took it as a summer course because everybody had told her that it's a boring course. And it's, and it's interesting. It's in Ontario or at her school anyways, it was civics and careers. So it was split in one semester. So it wasn't, it doesn't even get its own semester. And that's one thing I'll say that that's, that's a shame. Yes, you have to know how to make a CV, and yes, you have to know how to sort of direct your career. I would also say that financial literacy is another one, but uh, I, I don't want to sort of, uh, I don't want to become an education minister, so I won't go down that route. But y- yes, she, would ta- she was taught about the different branches of government, so executive, legislative, judicial, and that is all important. Um, but I don't know that they really, it, it was very surface. Because in, in preparing for this podcast, I sort of said to my daughter, I said, hey, get over here for a second. I, come on the couch, sit next to me, uh, and you know, tell me what you remember from your civics class. Because uh, I remember helping her through some of the assignments when she would sort of say, oh, my God, government, what is that about? And I went, um, 
I kind of know. Like, yeah. what, what do you, what do you need to know here? Pretty and sure we, it says expert on my name. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like I have a title, so I don't know yeah. if you need help or not. But anyway, um, do you know who I am? Yeah. It's, <laughs> hi, I'm your father. Nice to meet you. I work on Parliament Hill. Um, anyways, but it, it was interesting in that what I now know in ten years working on Parliament Hill, and I don't know everything. Trust me. Um, I just can't wait for somebody to snip that. Somebody will snip that part when I just leaned in and said I don't know what, don't know everything, and it'll be I used can from, for you if you want. Yeah, no, I, I'm clip. fine. I'm fine. I don't. I don't need that. I don't need that right. kind of hate. Anyway, so, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's. I think it's fascinating. Your that, camera um, just flipped, and you are upside down now, Mike. Sort of fulsome, or it's fine, um, but it really is surface. Um, and, and that is something that I think that, you know, my daughter was saying, like, that's an issue, dad. And uh, she doesn't feel fully prepared. And, and I kind of, I'm waiting for that conversation in a year and a half or two years when she can vote and she'll go, oh yeah, um, what do I do? And will she base it on feel? Will she will, you know, want to actually look into the policies and the minutia of it? Uh, but certainly I, I don't think she has a proper idea of how bills are, are formulated, proposed, how they go to committee, and then all the different readings, and then how it then has to work its way through the Senate before it gets royal assent, and then is actually law. Um, and and it's it's fascinating that yeah, I learned that. I didn't learn that in school. I you know like any kind of job, you learn it more on the job. Um, but I think it's something that people need to understand, and especially considering you know people need to realize garbage collection, not Justin Trudeau's fault. Um, you know, all of those types of things, not the prime minister's fault, not the premier's fault. If it's, you know, near your home, likely you're, you know, the mayor, the municipality, that type of thing. And I think people need to understand that. Mike, I love you. At some point in time in the last three minutes, mm -hmm. your device tipped and you've been upside down for several mm -hmm. minutes now. Literally, you're upside down. Your nameplate is fine, but I'm seeing your face something, is upside down, and it's amazing. Something happened. <laughs> uh, what's going on here? It's fine. There you go. Now you're. Now it's gone. I think he's still there, though. <laughs> Mike, thank you so much for your. I'm gonna share it. Here's how it. Ha here's what happened. <laughs> he just went upside down on me. Anyways. Uh, thanks to Mike. We'll, uh, we'll wrap the show up there. He was great. Hopefully he'll come back. Maybe I'll go back on his show. All right. So the show went a little off the rails at the end there when he went upside down. Whoopsie. <laughs> want to thank Mike for his time though. Uh, and his insights into Canadian politics and how we can get better. I like the fact that he hasn't lost hope because I think I'm leaning towards hopeless, but Mike still has a lot of hope for us. I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for uh, watching. I want to thank you for downloading and subscribing. I want to thank you for hitting up my new Substack, where I'm spending all my time these days writing for you. Hit up my Substack, please. Uh, that's it. Be well. Be safe. We'll do it again next week. Thanks for listening. Damn. Come on a journey like no other where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. 
Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at averyrich.com. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon.